0: Hey guys, our guest today is Izzy Reyes. The reason why I wanted to have him on is because I feel that we don't have a lot of representation as Hispanics out there showing in media that we can succeed in business as as entrepreneurs, that we can have thriving uh, careers um, out there in the field. And in my conversation with Izzy, um, it was amazing and we we touched on a lot of great topics that I think are definitely very relevant uh, to us. Uh, to our community and to us as Hispanics, you know, we talk about what is what is the rat race? You know, what does it mean um, to own your own business? Uh, how do you get into making passive income? What, what does passive income even mean? Can you achieve it through only the stock market, or is real estate also another option? So I had a ton of fun interviewing him. I learned a great deal uh, from him in this interview, and I hope that you guys find value in this interview. Hey, man, how's it going? How are you, Manny? Again. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to have you on so we can talk about a few things that I feel um, our community could could use some more information on, things like real estate, what is the rent race, what does that even mean? You know, we can talk a little bit about business and just just overall things that may not necessarily be talked about on on a regular um but before we even uh get started on that i just wanted to get a little bit of your origin story like what who was izzy um when he was a kid when he was a child when he was you know in high school like give, give us a little bit of snippet of um your upbringing
1: yeah uh... Born in Puerto Rico, migrated when I was two, three years old to Rochester, New York, spent a couple years there. a um, couple years, we moved to Cambridge, um, and when I was about eight years old, moved to Lawrence. We had family here, um, spent, the, you know, all my years pretty much my youth, young adult life um, in Lawrence. And over the last three years, I've split my time between the Lawrence market and Atlanta, Georgia market. Um, Growing up, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, anyone is familiar with Lawrence? It was, you know, that's where there was a transition between the Hispanic population and the, you know, there was Italian, Irish population. That's the Hispanic population was starting the boom in the 80s primarily with the Puerto Rican population. And most recently you got a lot of the Dominican and the South American population moving in, but it's still known as the immigrant city. Right. So growing up, uh, you know, went to the brew school up in lower tower Hill um, was lucky enough to get a scholarship uh, to go to central Catholic uh, graduated from central Catholic Um got a uh, scholarship to Salem State College, now known as Salem State University, dropped out uh, my sophomore year, Um, hated my co-op job and wanted to start my own little small business. And, And that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it started to give me a sense of responsibility because I was still, I felt lost I was uh, an impressionable kid, wanted to be part of the right, at least what I thought, the right group of people, um, but uh, just leading me to a path of nowhere and trouble, if anything. Um, and when I started my first business, when I was a sophomore, um, that, I, I knew that entrepreneurship was, for me, um, I was not you know, liking the nine to five job. I did have a, uh, some contractual work and I've had some employment opportunities that helped my career along the way. Uh, but the last 23 plus years, it's been real estate related uh, and it's been a blessing um, being part of it.
0: So um, before we get into the real estate, so you did mention that most of your life was spent here um, in Lawrence. Now, Lawrence today gets an extremely bad rep. Um, I mean, I've, I've been to a few jobs, and whenever I mention that I live in Lawrence, you know, I, I get a little bit of a side stare, like, "Oh, Lawrence." Um, and I'm assuming that when you were growing up, uh, Lawrence wasn't any better. Um, you did mention that you did um, end up getting a uh, scholarship to um, to Central, and then you ended up going to college and most people um hearing that part of it would, would think to themselves, "Well typical Lawrence kid they they tried going to college and then they dropped out and they people would view that as a failure so um somebody that's that's hearing that how do you um how would you speak to, to the fact that this quote unquote failure in in their eyes actually led you to to the success that that you have today
1: well it just taught me that there's easier paths, right? Because after, uh, I was on the 11-year plan because as I matured, grew up, I realized that I wanted to, I thought it was important at that time anyways to finish my degree. I didn't necessarily want to pursue what I was majoring in But at that time, I just said, you know, I just want to finish my degree. It was in criminal justice. So, I mean, for from the start of my freshman year to the time that I actually actually got my degree, it took 11 years and and take about five to six years of, you know, um, hiatus from not going, attending college. So I include that. So it, it took about four or five years of just traveling back and forth between uh, Lawrence, and it was the hard path, right? Now you're married, you got a house, you got kids, you know, uh, and it's a lot harder working and then commuting at nighttime uh, versus doing it while I was younger and getting it up, getting it out of the way. So, so but your harder.
0: career took. Uh, so it took you 11 years to get your to get your degree at the end of the day?
1: At the end of the day, from the, when I first entered my freshman year to the time I got my criminal justice degree, it was 11 years.
0: So so for me growing up, um, my, my parents' recipe for, for success, and, and I think it's still a prominent staple today, is you need to go to school, you need to go to college, get a degree, and somehow uh, that's going to set you up for life and that's going to be the, the end all be all do you feel like was there some type of pressure for you to to finish that that degree and was that what drove you to to um, to do it uh, and, and take you know 11 years to, to do it or what, what kind of drove you to, to, um, to still pursue that degree even though you were doing other stuff I was still
1: I, I was sold um, I, I think a lot differently now but I was sold that the college degree, if you don't have it or have some type of certification or trade, and I was not in the trade, um, I was not a tradesman, that you'd be the loser, right? Um, And you're a winner if you have a degree. And uh, the the degree essentially is setting you up for a job and a career. A lot of folks before us, our parents and their parents, um, they grew up under the environment of the uh, you, you get the degree and they worked one to two jobs. Now that in today's day and age, that doesn't exist. You know, people are having five, six, seven jobs uh, throughout their careers, if not more. Um, how how much
0: determine- was, uh, just out of curiosity, how much was, how much did it cost to go to college back then? Because you hear now when, you know, people are talking about like 50000 a year. So most most people are coming out with a debt of like two hundred thousand dollars coming out of school, or maybe a hundred thousand. Was it yeah, that much then? or? Well, again, it
1: exponentially has been growing and growing um, the the tuition rates, and I have a very strong view on it now, um, and and I have to balance it with my my we have three daughters <laughs> so we we have to I have to balance it with my uh my wife's views um in regards to what we would like to see for our children
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so i mean i'm 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 not saying college is bad but i think that you know Self-education, people feel like that once you get a degree or your diploma and that's it, they just fall off the cliff and then they, they don't attend any more classes, webinars, read books. Um, they never enter a library again. Um, and it's funny, it's in my adult years that that's all I do now is this education, 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 um, you know, to get the information for today's day and age for a competitive market. And I'm not convinced that what they're teaching today in today's colleges and universities are preparing our children for it, for today's uh, business environment.
0: You know, college is, is such a a touchy subject. Um, and, and I want to uh, talk a little bit more about it because I think that's um, primarily, I think it's still in the Hispanic community when we have, you know, we have we still have a lot of old school parents that, you know, just college is, is the only way for you to be able to provide for yourself. Because, I mean, if you think about it, at the end of the day, you know, you're going to school so you can get a job so then you can provide for yourself and your family. And, you know, I, I even find friends that I know that in their minds, they believe that the college degree that they received was a mistake and they overpaid, but yet they, they're still pushing their own kids to go to college so it's, it's a weird kind of like mentality that I I, I don't quite understand if, if you yourself as a person saw that you know the college degree didn't serve you as well as you'd hoped then I mean they still feel some type of pressure to push their kids to, to get a college degree and hope for, for something different like how do you you know how do you manage that how do you you know work on that
1: yeah I, I think that if you're in a trade, and, and if, a doctor, a lawyer, you need to have that, you know, higher education uh, learning. 100%. Uh, but if you're just attending college to attend it to get some degree and think that that's the answer, um, I think people are sorely mistaken. Um, and we don't have to go through all the folks that have dropped out of college and, because they think that that's the magic, you know, answer. Where they dropped out and they they've done very very well for themselves. Um, I think that adult learning is uh, you know just as important if not more important. To be honest with you, um, and that's going out and self learning. You know your industry and what you're passionate about, and creating uh, you know passive residual income. Um, for yourself and your family and what college degrees will do is prepare you for a job. And if that's where you're, if that's your target, that's what you want to do, then, then th- that may be a good path, but, you know, look at the currency and the devaluing dollar um, look at the job markets. Um, you know, things are shifting. Um, now. everything's digital. Um, And so, you know, things are changing pretty quickly. And if you don't have the tools to survive and excel in today's, uh, economy, um, then you're going to have a hard time and you're going to start asking yourself and doubt yourself about why did I just spend a hundred upwards up to 200,000, whatever it may be, depending on the university. Uh, and I'm not really seeing the benefit, um, and the return on my investment in that degree
0: and I mean I think one of the uh, one of the industries that's booming right now is is a technology um, technology field just in general anything technology and even like even lawyers i'm seeing that there's a lot of uh, websites that will literally you know grab let's say you're looking for a lease or something that you just put in your information and it will boom do that for you things that you know you would hire a lawyer, you know, paying $200 to create a document for you. You do it and, you know, you pay 10 bucks to get it done. You know, you know, for me, I'm in the technology field. I'm a systems administrator and I went to school for it. But I'm, I'm excited to see that, you know, Microsoft, you know, even, even Facebook themselves, they're all uh, getting together. They're creating basically their own universities online where this, these things are like a quarter of the price. You get certified and now you're ready to, you know, work in, you know, Microsoft technology or something else. So I'm really seeing a lot of new alternatives that maybe weren't there before when it comes to college, which, which is awesome to see.
1: Yeah, even universities are now getting into the e-learning online coursework and putting them on their platforms and offering it more. Um, they say by 2025, the online learning, e-learning industry will be about $325 billion. And it's uh, just several years back, it was a little over a hundred million, a billion. So it's growing uh, exponentially. Um, the brick and mortar universities and colleges are, are starting to take a hit. And now you look at what's happening now, you know, it's there's a demand there are uh, a little over 2 billion people that migrated and were forced to migrate mm-hmm. to uh, distance and online learning. Um, so it's, it's a growing uh, sector and people are migrating to it and seeking out um, what they're passionate about, what they wanna learn and taking those courses and making careers out of it for themselves.
0: I mean, it wasn't even too long ago, maybe 10 years ago, where you said you were taking, you know, you're either getting a degree online or you're taking an online class and people look at you weird, like that wasn't as good, you know? Yeah. Uh, but but speaking of college, you know, I'm sure that you've read the, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Right.
1: Robert that was Kiyosaki.
0: Yeah, exactly. That was one of the books that really, like, you know, got me going. And, and it is for a lot of people. And he does talk about, you know, what you just mentioned, that um, if you want a good worker get somebody that went to college because that's what colleges turn out they turn out they turn out workers mm-hmm. so um when it comes to to this mentality of like whether you should be an entrepreneur or you should or should you be a worker um what where, where do you um kind of find yourself uh, when it comes in, in relation to that and also this, this whole rat race thing that you also see in the book, but I don't think a lot of people still think about like, I am really in a rat race when I enter this, this workforce that I'm just fueling, that I'm part of that cog that fuels this, this, this economy in that way.
1: You know, it's funny you ask that or, or you're t- discussing it. I was sharing this with a good friend of mine and one of the things you cannot teach is motivation and hunger and desire, right? You can teach someone, um, maybe a skill, right. To do something, but if they're not hungry, motivated, they don't have the desire to excel and, and exceed and, you know, move their life and, and have, uh, you know, move the needle in the right direction. Um, those folks will always just be workers, and there's a need for those as well, right? Folks like you and I will need them, right? <laughs> They'll fill a void for what we need um because that's all they're doing is they're, I mean, they're fulfilling someone I'm, else. I'm now. a
0: worker myself now. You know, I'm working towards not being, but I'm, I'm still working a, a nine-to-five job. Um, I am trying to, you know, invest my way out of that. Um, but I don't think that there's, there's, there's any shame, you know, starting somewhere. I think that uh, it's just about, you know, what's your vision. And, and I, I know that you talk, talk a lot about that. Don't make one investment and then just like drop your job, you know?
1: Yep. No, I, I, absolutely. You, you need the, I think everyone needs the work experience, right? Cause that's where you put value into yourself. Everyone's uh, an enterprise, you're a walking, living, breathing enterprise, right? So you're trading every day your value for a dollar, right? For currency, for money, um, and it doesn't matter where you work, but that's essentially what you're doing. And if you feel that your value is more than what you're being paid, you gotta you gotta have built-in value. You gotta provide that. A higher value Um, and but how do you exponentially grow is once you figure out that well there's only so many hours in a day and if even if I had the highest uh, you know value for my time and you're trading it you're only gonna get so far and so you need to figure out how to create residual and passive income as well, and you got to make that as part of your strategy and I think that that 's where uh, some folks you know fail um, and those that figure it out uh, will they'll eventually exponentially grow
0: i think I think that that's, that's such an important point because you know you we are we are humans and we are limited in how much effort we can put into anything. I mean, you only have 24 hours. So there's only a span of time that you can work, max yourself out. I mean, maybe you can go two to three days without sleep and work 24 hours, but at some point you're not a machine. So you're going to max that amount of money that you're going to be able to generate overall.
1: I agree. My first, first business was, um, um, it was a travel, then it turned into a transportation business and then it was exclusive transportation. It was pretty much a shuttle business from the Merrimack Valley area to Logan airport. But how many times can you drive to Logan airport and back? Mm -hmm. So so your growth is limited. And as much as you want to hustle, as much as you want to get up, you know, bright and early and stay up late taking folks or picking them up, you were limited by the amount of times that you can get in and out of Logan airport, so it was not uh, it was hard to scale that um, so again you, once you figure out how to scale and create that residual and passive income and and make uh money as while you 're you know sleeping as they say right. Warren Buffett says, if you're not making money while you're sleeping, then you're missing out here.
0: Right. Um,
1: so it was only in my later years uh, or the last you know, number of years that I figured out that that's that's one of the keys to really exponentially getting out of that that rat race.
0: So was was the shuttle um, business the first one you you did after you um, you got out of school or was there something else in between?
1: No, that was the first one. So it was like it was I
0: mentioned,
1: I was in college. I had a co-op. I hated it. And I, you know, I just said, I want to start my own business. And mm-hmm. But due to technology, what happened was I started the travel business. And um, this is now 30 years ago that you started to see the Travelocities, the Expedias. People no longer needing to and uh, having to go to a, an agent, right? to go get their airline tickets. Mm. or their cruise tickets or packages now what do what most people do they search online
0: right they cut
1: out those agents so the the, the industry changed but the transportation still uh was there, there was a high demand for it and hence that's why i was doing that exclusively afterwards and but again how many times can you get in and out of the
0: airport so uh, here's here's something that i want to ask is that so for you, it seemed like it was almost a no-brainer to go into business for yourself and do something for yourself. Is, is, is that an accurate statement?
1: Well, once I started it, I didn't know. Yeah. But I, okay. I, 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 maybe if I, you know, you posing the question makes me think may, maybe that was the start, right? Mm. Me not liking the uh, job that I had, forced me to go look for something that I wanted to do on my own. And that's, that's how I, you know, that's how I started.
0: So when does real estate and like this passive income thing, uh, come into the picture? Like how, how, how are you um, introduced or how are you exposed to like this new mentality that, um, you didn't have at first?
1: Um, I, th- I think one of the most important things is uh, having a mentor. Gotcha. So, so early, early on, I followed uh, an individual that I still, you know, I, I talk to all the time and I run ideas by and consult with this individual and doing a lot of reading on my own, self-learning. I just really uh, just dove in, all in about learning the the industry. Um, and once I realized that the vast, a lot, just a, a high percentage of people that were doing very, very well, and the folks that I was reading about had real estate as part of their portfolio income or their passive income and and allowed them to grow exponentially. So there was that common thread. And... Uh, you know it was a uh, 1997 that i had an opportunity to get into the banking industry uh i left the small business that i had and that's th- that's kind of the the first steps in the real estate world so i learned a little bit of banking had an opportunity to um and, and lawrence become a planning board member commissioner a planning board uh, board members had a commissioner for each community, so I played the role of commissioner for a few years.
0: How old are you at this time? And,
1: um, so this is that. So it was about I was about twenty seven. Twenty
0: seven. Okay.
1: Yeah, about twenty six, twenty seven. Um, ninety seven. So yeah, about twenty six years old. And that was the path. I got my broker's license. Uh, subsequently after that, I um, got my uh, unrestricted construction supervisor's license, um, started building out my own, you know, parcels of land in the, in the Lawrence market. So I was learning, you know, development, construction, permitting, banking, financing. So it wasn't one vertical, one course, one career there were a number of things that were happening all at the same time and I was learning and expanding my knowledge in the industry and and I still am. And for that person that says that they're they're, you know, they they've pretty much tapped out on learning, then that's when they, you know, essentially stop learning and stop growing.
0: So uh, for for people that, that don't mean not necessarily what does a broker like when you get your broker license, what, what did that allow you to do?
1: A broker just essentially allows you to open up your own firm. So you can become a salesperson, right? Also known as an agent, a real estate agent, but uh, a a salesperson. Salesperson has to work for a broker for, Mm. I believe it's now three years. And you have to have so many hours that the broker would sign off if you wanted to become a broker to sign off that, yes, they've, worked so many hours with Mm -hmm. my firm. Now there are brokers uh, that have attained that status that do not want to open up their own firm. Don't want to have that responsibility. Okay. But they become associate brokers and they work uh, under a, you know, uh, a broker. Um, I just knew that I want, I started off with a firm firm and it was one of the national companies. And uh, after the first year, at that time, it was one year minimum. I did the one year, it went right for my broker's license and I wanted to start my own thing. I just wanted to be independent. I, at that point, I just knew whatever I was doing, I wanted to, for the most part, be on my own and, and um, you know, create my own opportunities.
0: That didn't scare you at all? Well,
1: um, at that time, well, you know, when you, you know, when you feel like you can jump off of a, you know, 20 story building and still survive. Right. Right. We're all naive at one point. Uh, I just, I didn't really care uh, at that time. Um, I just said, I just knew I wanted to give it a shot. I wanted to try it. And then if you have that hunger and desire and you really want it to succeed, you, you just find a way to make it work. So, um, but don't, you know, I I don't want to give also the impression that I completely left, you know, um, the the earned income still at that time. So there was a transition period. There was a transition period where I, I was a business manager for a big construction job for the state. And I did that for three years during that time. And that that was uh, uh, after I had the development, you know, um, career. And I I had the Reyes Group company going at that time. There was a a three-year period where I took advantage of an opportunity. Uh, During that time, it was during the Governor Paul Solucci administration. Um, And... Then I went back on full-time on my own. And then there was an, another opportunity that I took in, um, this is in 2010 to about 2013, another three years that I became vice president of the large management property management company oh, wow. and took that experience, uh, And got, again, continuously learning, got some certifications through the National Apartment Association, Community Associations Institute, and the Institute of Real Estate Management, continued uh, growing my professional career.
0: You know, I'm glad that you you shared that because when, when, when you were first, you know, naming all these things that you were doing, um, I'm sure somebody, I mean, I have a little bit of experience with real estate, but I'm sure somebody that has, hasn't even considered real estate as a thing is looking at, you know, is hearing you, uh, you know, talk about all these things that you did and they're like, dude, I could never do any of this, but it really sounds like it was a step-by-step process for you and that management company um, really helped you be able, well, at least you used that experience to really get familiar and you just you just took it one step at a time.
1: Yeah, I think that what most folks need to focus in on is, if they're employed, is to take advantage of opportunities that their employer will give them. And when I joined the firm that I was with, Lane Management, you know, there were folks there that were there for 23, 30 years, and essentially, I was initially hired as the marketing director and the leasing director, uh, and I bypassed those individuals that had been there for years and I became the VP of operations, uh, I was hungrier. I was hungrier. There was all these course, courses and certifications that were available. No one took advantage of them. I took advantage of all of them. And there were even some competing courses that were very similar. I took them anyways, (laughs) Um, just because I wanted to be a student of the game. I have the industry. I just wanted to continuously grow and learn the business. And uh, in 2013, they sold to a national company and that's what brought me to the last seven years, 2013 to 2020 today. Um, I said I wanted to, you know, go full blown again with, by myself. And I started Hancock, the namesake of the, where I grew up, <laughs> um, uh, the Hancock Projects, And I started Hancock Realty Group and I started offering um, my professional property management services to small market owners. And I felt that with my certifications and experience that there was a lot of value to small market owners, and, and that's where, that's kind of where I started and where I've dedicated the last seven years to.
0: So, so a lot of people would, would listen to all these things that you did and all these courses that, that you took. And, and I think that one of the questions that, that would come up inevitably, I think is like, well, I don't have that time. I have, you know, I have a family, I have kids, I got to take them here and there. Like how, somebody that, 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 um, I don't want to say an excuse, but somebody that that's. Looking at what you're doing, wants to potentially do that, but in their mind, it's like, "Well, I'm not going to be able to do anything that Izzy is doing because I just don't have the time." Like, what do you, what do you say to somebody that that has that in the back of their mind and potentially is not allowing them to to get started and get going?
1: You know, I'm not even the best example to be honest with you. Um, I always reference my wife. So my wife, again, uh, went to community college in New York. She was from the New York area and migrated to Lawrence. And so she had her associates, but she wanted her bachelor's. So now she's a manager at New York Life. She ended off as a senior manager, um, but she was a manager there. Um, Being a, a mother wife take you know taking care of household and the kids working full-time and 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 being pregnant of our second child wow and still went to merrimack college during the evenings to finish off her bachelor's degree so if you can beat that (laughs) i can't (laughs) even come close to that (laughs) I can't, I can't say I was ever pregnant <laughs> I can't say, you know, working, uh, you know, for a large company and having the responsibilities that she had, plus the, you know, uh, being the, the unbelievable mom that she is and just raising kids. Uh, so it can be done, but she was determined. She was focused, and she said, I'm going to do this. And here in my office there's uh we don't have too many things on the wall, but the on the on, on our wall is my college degree and her college degree and we are, we let our kids see it um, and more so for the it, the commitment the desire i mean there's anything anything that you want to do, you can do uh it's a, are you willing to sacrifice and commit to it so
0: right. I was like, I'm going to have to interview your wife too, man. She sounds incredible. <laughs> From what you're saying is that where there's a will, there's a way. Regardless of the situation, you'll, you'll figure it out. Absolutely. And I, Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, I think that that was a great example with your wife. I mean, it's, it's incredible. That's a lot of stuff to, to take on. It's awesome. Um, so if somebody, so let's say, um, Somebody has had hasn't had any experience with real estate or you know passive income. Can can we um, like give them a a quick synopsis as to why is this so important? That's part one. And, and part two, you know, how, how do I get started? Like, what should I be doing to to try to generate some of this uh, passive income? And particularly for this conversation, you know, through real estate, which is where um, you've managed to, to be able to do that? Well,
1: it's a biased answer, but no one's convinced me that there's another, an alternative, better way. And a lot of the folks that, um, we read about, right? The books that people recommend and, um, they talk about, uh, you know those folks have real estate in their portfolios, and you know for me, I'm not I'm not knocking the say the stock market. There's some folks that have done very well, and um, in alternative investments, but to me, for the tax benefit, the ability to optimize an asset, uh, to have recurring income, to be it's taxed differently. Earned incomes are taxed higher than, you know, passive income earners. Um, The ability to take equity that you've built up and, you know, deploy it into another asset. I mean, no one's convinced me that there is an, an alternative that is better than real estate. And if, properly managed, properly taken care of, it'll do well by you Um, and it will grow and and it will grow for you long term.
0: So playing the devil's advocate a little bit, you know, somebody that is uh, more into like, let's say the stock market would say, well, you shouldn't get into real estate because one, you're going to be up at 2 a.m., you know, unclogging toilets and, you know, most tenants are going to be a nightmare and you're going to have to deal with that. And when it comes to the stock market, as long as you pick some good stocks, it's relatively passive. You don't have to do anything. You put your money in and you just watch it grow. Like that's more or less the uh, I think that a lot of the response, the, the majority of the responses would be when it comes to somebody that's uh, advocating for a stock market approach versus, you know, real estate. Like w- what would be your response to, to that?
1: Easy, to me, it's a simple answer. In my opinion, if you're, if you're talking about someone that you just said starting off, well, they're they're not. I would not put them into the portfolio income. I mean, how much money can they actually put in, and put it into a stock or a mutual fund that's going to pay a dividend on on how much? What are you putting in? A hundred bucks a pay period, two hundred. Five hundred? How much are you getting back? That's 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 number one. So there's some folly in, that, in the in the theory of that because we're talking about people that are just starting off. How do you start off? Well you're not making portfolio income. The people that are making portfolio income that have millions of dollars, and even if they got three and a half, four or five percent, well that's a lot of money if you have a lot of you know, if you have millions into it. You have a lot
0: of cash in there, yeah.
1: Yeah. And secondly, I I think that and this is where there's another uh folly in the whole equation about uh investing in that market is that if I pay ten dollars for XYZ share, well the way I make a capital gain is I hope that the next person behind me pays 12. Now I just made 20%. And I don't like that. I don't like that, that I have to rely on the next person behind me buying that stock or mutual fund at a higher rate and for me to get out for, Mm -hmm. to get a capital gains and if i held it for a short period of time now i'm paying the the short term capital gains tax so it's not something that i can go back to and say xyz stock i'd like to purchase this stock now can i get some of this and they're like no you're 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 stuck here and depending on what's going on with the market and and if it's a volatile market in that time frame you 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 probably can't because that's it's like any other investment; it's long term. So, um, that's those are the two primary reasons I don't necessarily like it. You know, unless you have the, you know, one large capital investment that's going to give you that portfolio income, then it, it could be part of the uh, portfolio and strategy. Um, uh, and then other the second thing is just having someone or hoping someone comes in after you and pays more for that stock. And that's how you're going to make your money. So it's kind of out of my hands and hoping that the market does well. And, and that's why I would argue against it for someone that's starting off.
0: And you prefer real estate because for the most part, it's, it's under your control. It's going to be relying on on you, Izzy, to be able to not only make the right investment, but be able to maintain it in such a way that will, it will yield
1: an income for you. That's right. If you learn the fundamentals of real estate and, you know, those things that you mentioned earlier, you know, the late night calls, the leaky toilets and what have you, if you understand it, those issues uh, should be far in between, you know, when you get that call. They shouldn't be a consistent call um, on a daily basis, weekly basis. You should be doing, you know, checks, uh, maintenance checks and capital improvements that will avoid those types of uh, issues. So once you've been a little bit, you know, get some training behind you, um, it it should become uh, clockwork and you have the right people. Uh, as part of your team, right, vendors and what have you, that address those types of issues. That have,
0: have you, you had some toilets in the middle of the night?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been involved with some issues, but I, <laughs> I'm i not the I'm not the handyman. I can tell you that. I'm <laughs> um, uh, I love being involved with my, my properties that I own, and uh, at the end of the day, I have folks that just know how to, uh, you know. Um, unclog the lines, the main lines, and what have you, and and address uh, issues that are related to owning property. Hmm.
0: You know, this is, this is a key point, and, and I want to emphasize on this, is that a lot of people feel like they need to be an electrician and they need to be a plumber in order to be able to get into a property. Like, I'll give you a quick example, you know, I was talking to a gentleman, you know, probably in his 40s, and I'm letting him, hey, you know, real estate. And, you know, we're just chopping it up a little bit. And he mentioned like, you know, before I even consider investing in real estate, I'm going to go and take an electrician course. I'm going to go and take a plumbing course. So if anything ever comes up, then I'm going to be able to to take care of it. And I won't um, have to hire somebody. I think that he's still, you know, trying to, to become an electrician or a plumber before he, he invests in real estate. Yeah, I, I think that
1: there's some folly in that mentality as well, because if you're not up in the tower overlooking which runways are being used, who should be taking off, you know, who should be landing, um, you lose the bigger picture. Um, I think that a good property manager will be up in the tower directing traffic and optimizing their assets. So they're getting highest and best return on their investment. If you're tied up trying to do plumbing and electrical and handyman work and not deferring that to the people that that's all that they do, um, I, I think you're going to be missing a number of things that are, is not necessarily optimizing your, your asset.
0: Yeah, at least, you know, for me, I'm not handy at all, man. Like, I, I mean, I can YouTube some stuff, but... I think that the key point here is is that you need to make sure that whenever you are ready to invest, you calculate for those expenses that you are going to need a handyman, you are going to need people that are going to be able to do things that you may not necessarily know how to do. But if you take that into account at the beginning, then you shouldn't fear um, having to hire somebody later on when they do come up.
1: Yeah, and... Part of the learning curve is understanding your role, right? You're the quarterback and you have to tell people where to go and where to be um, and have the, uh, you know, the the personnel to put in place to execute the strategy Uh, because if you're trying to be, all things in the organization, I think you'll, you're going to lose, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of opportunities.
0: Gotcha. So as we um, kind of wind down here a little bit, um, going back to that person that is seeing this for the first time, they're not, um, they haven't thought about real estate, but you know, they've listened to you, they've listened you know uh they've they've heard the the talk on the rat race. they do want to create some passive income um how How do they get started? They haven't saved up because that wasn't in their preview, but now they're they're ready to get started like how do you how do how does one get started on on planning and eventually executing on uh getting that that property that will generate some more some more income um, for them.
1: I think that one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people look at real estate as um, and, and they, they want to get into it and, and they make this common mistake. And, and I'm actually, uh, you know, an offender of my own rule. I want to own. I want to own. I want to own. I buy my first property. Well, property is a liability. And if you look at it and, and purchase it that way, that's, that's all it is. It's a liability. But if you buy a property as an asset that's going to produce something for you, um, it's a whole different. That That's the game changer. And that's why I tell people that there's a number of things that you want to do to set yourself up for your first purchase. But whatever it is, make sure that it's an asset and, and, and it's a residential asset. And for those that are not familiar with the terminology, well, let's talk liability and asset. Liability is if you buy a single family home, which is a liability, you're paying it every single month. You're not getting anything out of it. If you buy a two, a three, or a four, that's the difference between residential property and commercial. Anytime you you throw in the word commercial, a lot of people think about industrial park, retail parks, you know, um, malls, that's commercial. Well, there's a thing called commercial residential. That's five units or above. So when I say residential, all I'm just referring to is a multifamily residential is two units up to as high as four. You're still in the residential space. And what it does is it, it allows you to cash flow, even if it's enough, the unit next door. And if you have a four unit, you in the industry, it's called house hacking. You live in one, you rent out the other three, you take the cash flow and you start to build it. You build it, one, you two, you optimize it and then you're trying to uh, cash out some of that equity to populate it and deploy it into another asset that's going to consistently and continuously uh, produce, uh, you know, money for you.
0: Can you, Um, I think that, you know, I think that's, that's perfect. I think that um, just as you in your career, you did a step-by-step, you know, same way in this case, your first step is Hey, look at some of the programs that are out there that may allow you to be able to get into a property with a little bit less down. You know, FHA comes to mind three point five percent down, and just, just start saving. You know, and once you get once you get to that point, or as you're on your way to that, start reading some books and start re- listening to some podcasts. Maybe start making some connections of people that can teach you a few things. And I think that even for me, I mean, I'm I'm a new, you know, you know, we have you know, some properties, etc. And I'll tell you man, it's it's scary because there's so many unknowns. But at the same time, I can attest to the fact that you just, you rise to the occasion as things come up. Those are learning moments. And, and I think that you should look at this entire process in that way, every single step, every single mistake, everything that's going to come up in this process, if you do choose to take it on, Look at it as a learning experience, and if you look at it that way, you're gonna continue to move forward and eventually end up in a situation where you're in, or even greater. It's just looking at it, taking a a, a student's mentality, and just look at every step as, as a learning opportunity.
1: Absolutely, and I think that anytime that there's you know difficult times in general that's what gives separation
0: Mm.
1: opportunities like that. And notice how I use the word opportunity, right? Uh, It's an opportunity to separate yourself. Right. Okay. How are you going to deal with it? No one's immune to not having issues. Everyone's going to have issues in their own respective worlds, right? Their business, their properties that they own, their work, what, what have you. But the difference is how did I address it? Right. Most people don't want to see, you know, they they have a hard time addressing. Issues and uh, that are hard Um, and some could be very straightforward, simple issues. They just don't want the confrontation. They don't want to deal with the issue and others excel. And that's why they're at where they're at. Right. Because they've excelled at addressing, you know, hurdles and and issues and hiccups in their in their world.
0: So, um, as the, as we, um, finish up here, wrap up, um, I want to ask if you could potentially share with us one mistake that you made in the real estate world, because I think that everybody, um, that's, that will be listening to this or is listening to this is looking at Izzy. Izzy is this great businessman, you know, has built all these things and has made no mistakes, but. You know, can, can you share with us something uh, or a mistake or some or a learning uh, opportunity that came up in, in your process that, to, to help us and let us know that you can make mistakes and still succeed, you know, in, in creating a passive income through real estate?
1: Well, there were a lot of mistakes and, and uh, I, think, I think that I still make them because they're just at different levels, right? But for, for me is... I read one book and, and I know it all. When you have that mentality, now you're you, you just, you're littered. There's, there's a number of mistakes that are gonna happen. And what, what I've learned is, you know, just because you know a little bit, right, it, it doesn't stop the learning curve. It's a constant, consistent, evolving market. And that's true for all spaces, all industries. There's no exception, including the real estate. And so what I've learned is just consistently staying on top of rules, regulations, um, you know, tenant landlord laws, you name it. Um, Just being a student of the game, of of your profession, of your industry, uh, real estate being mine, my full-time occupation. And I just try to learn as much as possible constantly. So I, I'm plugged into certain, you know, uh, subscriptions. And um, I'm a member of the Institute of Real Estate Management, I could have easily said, well, what do they do for me? Right? Versus taking those, you know, the, the emails, the publications, the trainings that they give, you name it, and constantly staying on top of uh current trends um and i think early on i i was the opposite i learned a little bit i learned how to do a transaction and say i got this when in reality it's just i got that piece of it <laughs> but there was a million other pieces that i you know needed to stay on top of because things are revolving constantly so it's just education 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 with a major uh, is a major uh, component in and making a big difference
0: Man, um, <clears throat> that's that's so true. And, uh, you know, I really just, just want to take a moment to just, you know, thank you for your time. I mean, uh, I think that I've learned a lot. I'm sure that the people that uh, watch this are going to learn a ton as well. And we're definitely going to have to do a part two because, um, you know, we didn't even get into currency. We didn't get into inflation, deflation, what all that means. Why is this so important? There's so many other topics that I think that you know, you've, you've shared with me that have uh, opened up my eyes that, that I think um, you know, the audience should, should know as well. Um, so before I give you the floor and kind of let you share any, any final thoughts you know, to, to the audience here, I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody that you can think of that um, I should be reaching out to or that I should potentially um, introduce to this project to uh, have them on and, and get their their thoughts, opinions and ideas to, to share with with the community and specifically the Hispanic community.
1: Yeah, well I think a mutual friend that we both know, um returned, Socrates Dela Cruz, be a great, great candidate. Uh, we actually lived same age, grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, so I mean it's he's a great example of Having nothing and looking where he's at now. And that's just pure grit, hard work, dedication, determined, disciplined, and learning the the trade. And we're both students of the game. And, uh, you know, I was, I was doing – he was in the legal field, and I was in real estate a little longer, but we're both students of our professions. Um, and I think he'd be a great person to share his story as well.
0: And it's funny how both of you also ended up in, in the real estate side of things. So that's awesome. So any final thoughts uh, from you as we, uh, we close here?
1: No, I mean, thank you for having me on. I, uh, hopefully our conversation is of value to those that are listening. Um, one of the exciting things that I'm working on just to kind of share this on your, on this uh, podcast here. Um, Hancock real estate Academy is coming out soon. And that's for those that are interested in pursuing a career in real estate and more specifically in property management. That's been my passion over the last number of years. And that's what got my start into the investing piece of it and learning about 1031s, opportunity zones, um, syndication funds. Um, It all started with property management and it gave me opportunities. So for those that are interested but not sure how to even start, right, um, I I feel free. I'm not sure if you can put on your chat or uh, information um, on your blog here uh, my contact information. I'm sorry?
0: We'll uh, we'll definitely link it.
1: Yeah. So you can share my email, izzy at hancockinvestmentgroup.com have them reach out um, and I'll keep them posted on when we're going to launch that in early 2021. Um, And we're just going to go over all the different pieces of what it takes to get into the property management field, whether it be potentially working for someone um, early on or even starting their own firm. So that's uh, exciting stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. Um, awesome, man. Well, thank you for your time.
1: My pleasure, Manny.
0: As always. Bye, everybody. Thank you, guys.